Enter the crib. Your strike back sit rep starts in three, two, one. Wait, do we go on zero? Welcome to the Strike Back Crib Sit Rep. We're thrilled to welcome you to the first episode of the Strike Back Podcast, The Sit Rep, and our kickoff interview with the leading force behind the Strike Back Machine, executive producer, writer, and showrunner Jack Lothian. But first, we'd like to introduce ourselves and give you a preview of what's coming up on the pod. I'm Kelsey Nolan. And I'm Deb Foster. And we are obviously both huge Strike Back fans. We wanted to put that love for all seasons of the show into action. So first, we started the Strike Back Crib fan page and then got the wild idea of this podcast. We've definitely learned that with a bit of a dream and a lot of hard work and a little help along the way, anything is possible. We're so excited to be able to bring you awesome Strike Back Meavers this podcast. Every episode of the Sit Rep will be discussing each episode of the show, what happened, our thoughts, and some behind the scenes tidbits from our favorite showrunner, Jack Lothian. We have great interviews lined up for the season with cast and crew ready to let you know what was going on in their heads as they travel the globe, blowing shit up, and saving the world one more time. We're so ready for this mission. With that, let's kick this off with our first interview. All right, welcome back. If anyone can be called the Strike Back Overwatch, it's our very first guest. Starting as a writer in 2015, he became showrunner and executive producer in 2017 while continuing to write for the show. Basically, Jack Lothian is the man, the writer of scripts, the keeper of secrets. Meavers, he's the guy. We are so happy to welcome him to our show. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me on, and hello. <laughs> All right, so the, the most important question, the one everyone is dying to know, were you beat up by a computer guy as a kid? No, no, not at all. No. No. And I have to say that the death of poor Will Jensen was one of the hardest things I've ever had to, to write because uh, the, the actor is so, Phil, Phil Dunst is so lovely and he's so great. And uh, it was tough. It really was tough. I'm sorry, Phil. Well, it was really hard on us fans. I mean, how many of our comms guys can you kill? I know. Why I know. would anyone take this job? No. <laughs> No CEO, yeah, and that's, no and that's the worst thing. He, he was good at the job as well, which is a, a real shame. Uh, it was. But, uh, you know, it's yeah. strike back. It's strike back. We know what we're getting. Okay, so in all seriousness, then, we'd like to start if, maybe going back then. If you could kind of tell us, because nobody's really heard about how strike back came back. I mean, it got canceled. Two years later, it's back. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit how that happened? Uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, so at the time, I was writing a strike back movie. Uh, oh, which so was, there uh, really was a movie. There, there really was. It was. It was still in the very early stages. It was set in uh, Sao Paulo in Brazil, uh, concerning uh, Scott and Stonebridge. And I was sort of about thirty pages into it and realizing there was a lot of work to be done. And then I got a call saying that there was an interest in bringing it back again, and would I be interested in running it? Uh, at which point I immediately stopped work. <laughs> <laughs> sort, of, sort of realized how daunting it was to replace. Scott and Stonebridge, and, and, uh, but obviously very exciting because it felt like the, the show still had a lot to give. I mean, there, there are various reasons why, possibly why it came back. I, I know certainly that Bill Clinton said that he was a big fan of the show yes. and, and that didn't harm our chances. <laughs> and I, I certainly think uh, the last season with Scott and Stonebridge had gone down well and, and sort of I think people started to miss that sort of show that there aren't that many shows that do what we do, especially on our budget. And so I think there was an appetite to, to see more of it. Well, there really aren't 
any shows that do what Strike Back does. Um, I mean, it's really incredible. You talk about the budget, but what you're producing on a weekly basis is basically, you know, feature films on a television yeah. budget. And um, I can't imagine the kind of pressure that you guys are under to just keep raising the bar week after week after week. And can you talk about the pressure of moving from what was such an amazingly successful franchise with Scott and Stonebridge to the kind of pressure that you were living under recreating it? And then is that any different between last season and Retribution and then carrying on to season seven is has the has have things relaxed or what's the what's the feeling like uh i mean certainly the characters have relaxed i think uh it, it took a while for for the the writing to sort of get to who they were and certainly in the mm-hmm. first couple of episodes of, of last season uh we were still sort of finding our way through trying to work out w- what's the show going to be like uh i mean I'm, I'm incredibly sympathetic to fans who go on about scott and stonebridge because as, as a fan of the show myself, you know, obviously, you know, we, we all miss those guys and, and they are sort of irreplaceable. So we had the problem of when you have people who are sort of irreplaceable, how do you replace them? Uh, and I think certainly this season we feel, I feel we're a lot more confident in, in who our guys are. And certainly the, the actors bring a lot to it. For example, Dan, who plays Wyatt, you know, I spoke to him at the end of last season and said to him, you know, what would you be interested in exploring for the character? You know, just just tell me some stuff you're interested in. We'll sort of steer the character that way. So so they, they do take ownership of, of the characters. Uh, as I say, in the first season, you're sort of writing them. And then in the second season, they're sort of right, telling you what to write, <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So did you feel, I guess, in the first season, because as you said, like the first couple of episodes, I guess for us, I think, most fans like episode four, it really felt like it hit its stride. Yeah. Could you feel that behind the scenes? And was it like this season was like right from the start? We know who we are. We've got this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. And it, and it wasn't we weren't sort of in despair, but there was sort of uh, I think episode three became overcomplicated last season for just plot wise. There was just a lot of plot and a lot of things to sort of get through. And then sort of by four, the sort of realization is sort of, well, we should strip it back a bit and, and do what the show does best. And then sort of by episode five, and once we get to Borisovich and, and, and all that, it's sort of not a reboot, but it's sort of a soft, softly resetting the show. OK, we, we know what we can do now. Uh, let's let's pile on ahead. We wanted to talk a little bit about um, the characters and you talked about Dan really having some strong ideas about where he wanted to take his character. And that definitely is coming through this season. Um, How about with the other characters? We've noticed some real differences in Novin so far this season um, and with, with Mac and how much of that is what they wanted to bring to the characters and what your vision was for the characters. Um, It's definitely our collaboration. Uh, in terms of, of that you speak to the actors and, and they can notice things about their characters. Uh, certainly in episode six, there's a storyline with Mac and Wyatt and, and Warren sort of sat me down and made me go through it beat by beat in the script until he was sort of comfortable with the fact that logically it made sense for his character and sort of emotionally, which was massively helpful because uh, there were things that needed tweaked and changed. And so it, it's very useful that way. And in the same way that Aileen will come to me and she'll say, oh, the certain things I want to do. One of them she wants to do is a J-turn car move where she drives backwards. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and we put it in the script like four times and it never happened. And, uh, <laughs> uh, she did and, seem uh, a bit obsessed with that last season that last on social season, media. Yeah, she mentioned that a few times on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's, a, there's a, a great little speech she's had about where she grew up 
and in the small town she was in, and we filmed it twice, and both times it's been cut. So, so next season we're planning. We have we just have to put it in the middle of a firefight or something, so there's no way <laughs> we can cut around it. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, there's sort of a checklist of things, and and so then with Jamie coming in, he had sort of his own ideas as we sort of went along about how he sort of saw his characters, and I, I'm I'm really open to it because it's a really tough show for the actors. Physically, it's it's very tough, and uh, anything they that they bring to the table is it's nearly almost uh, worthwhile most of the time. Oh, that's great. So you talked about bringing Jamie in and we're so excited. I'm just absolutely, I've been a fan of his, you know, since he was on Battlestar, he's phenomenal. Yeah. And you have Yasmin coming in and Barada, you have these great team, but you have this team that's already super, I mean, those three, Warren and Dan and Aitlin are super close. Yeah. How do you sort of integrate the new team help them bond or is there almost a measure of like not wanting to do that so that that chemistry that they're not quite all the same is uh, I mean luckily they all seem to bond off screen I'm, I'm sure frequent trips to the bar help <laughs> and, uh, so so it, it's sort of useful that way I mean it is tricky when you're bringing in newcomers into sort of a, a dynamic that works I mean Jamie is wonderful he's he's uh, such an English gentleman and he has the nicest way of delivering script notes in terms of he'll say, oh, I notice here my characters talking in cliches. That's quite interesting. I suppose people do talk in cliches. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I, I, I could change that. He's like, no, no, if you want me to do it, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, and, and Yasmin, I think. you really just, want me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and Yasmin, from, from the first audition, she was just fantastic. Uh, the, the first time she sort of, the, the first uh, audition scene she did was a scene that's at the end of episode uh, six. And that was the first sort of thing she did. And, and uh, she just did it so wonderfully that it was like I knew that it, we were going to be in safe hands with her. You know, and, and she's got a sort of quirkiness to her, which I really like. She'll quite often deliver lines in a way that you don't expect, but in a way that really helps them. Oh, that's good. Yeah, she, we, having seen a little bit of it, we've, we've enjoyed her. Now, speaking of the team, the question we get asked the most often over at, you know, on the Twitter page is Roxanne. Uh, we lost, our, you know, the captain. Will we hear yeah. about her? Can you tell us anything about that? Uh, I mean, just in terms of uh, we felt with Roxanne that her character's story had come to an end, really. We'd sort of told a story with it, and uh, there was opportunities for elsewhere and, and opportunities to sort of free up space for new characters coming in. Uh, I mean, I will say I, I really, really like Roxanne. She's a really wonderful actor, and, and off screen, she's even more wonderful as a human being. So it, it was tough. Uh, and it was certainly, it's always hard when there's someone who's an integral part of the team to, to lose them. Uh, but it felt like it was an opportunity to go forward and tell a different sort of story. Well, we're excited. And, uh, you know, the new, new additions are great. And we'll miss her, of course. Yeah, we all miss her. Can you t talk a little bit about um, the transition from last season to this season and maybe some of the lessons that you learned from the rebuilding of last season that you brought into this season in terms of strengths or weaknesses? Um, so certainly this season, I wanted to do more hand-to-hand -hand fighting uh, because we have uh, a group of actors who are incredibly violent <laughs> when it comes to hand-to-hand -to -hand fighting. And uh, that was something, especially as we were filming in Asia, uh, where, where this sort of a, a tradition, a history mm -hmm. of it in sort of Hong Kong cinema and stuff was, was I really wanted to see more of the hand-to-hand -hand action. And certainly, uh, and I think it's a lesson we're, we're continually learning is is to find strong villain stories and to not get too complicated uh, sometimes the show 
can get a little bit too complicated for its own good. And there's always the danger of people running around and shooting and, and you think, oh, why are they shooting again? What are they doing here? So it's about finding those sort of simple stories. Uh, and so, sometimes we're successful. Sometimes we get a little bit complicated. I think that really is one of the strengths that Strike Back has is that you have so many baddies coming through every season. And yet every baddie or villain that you have is to a large extent a pretty fully fleshed out character. We always understand the character's motivations. We always have some sort of emotional hook to have at least a shred of empathy for this horrible person. And yet in the end, they're always still a baddie. Um, how much work goes into creating each one of these baddies who we may only see for two episodes and yet leave a huge impact for like, for instance, Leatherby. You know, he's, yeah. a, he's a really good example of someone we saw for two episodes and yet is integral to the entire season. Yeah, it's a combination between having actors who, who look for the sort of uh, the emotional beats underneath it all. And, and also the, a belief that there, there aren't really any villains. Every villain's a hero in their own kind of story. And, and if you would, right. would, for example, last season, you could have told a whole season from Jane Lowry's point of view, mm -hmm. where she could have been a sort of a hero in her own sort of struggle. Uh, and certainly with things like Leatherby, I mean, you had a fantastic script by James Dormer. And then you had, of course, Dugray Scott coming in with this amazing moustache and this sort of <laughs> attitude. And, and certainly I, I know there were certain things that, that he asked for that really enhanced the character and made him something sort of memorable. I mean, it's a little bit frustrating because we sit there and we go, yeah, it's good, but it's, it's not Leatherby. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it, it's tricky. It really did raise the bar in that. Uh, and it's still, I mean, I, I agree. I think that was actually one of the first right back episodes I ever saw. I, I caught it on television. And I just remember sitting there going, what the hell is this? And why haven't I seen this before? This is amazing. And now yeah. I'm going to watch the entire thing from start to finish right. for the next yeah. three days over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> At least if you're anything like us. So what were your goals going forward for this season? Well, last season, originally we pitched an idea about uh, Russia that it's sort of the, the networks. It kind of said, well, it feels like Russia's a bit old hat. Uh, we should be looking somewhere else. And then sort of midway through the season, they were like, you know what? Russia's not really old hat. <laughs> uh, so, so there was... I was always quite keen. I just had an idea of Novin and a blonde Russian walking into somewhere, both beat up, covered in blood, sort of having to work together, but not being able to stand each other. And just sort of a, a central image of that. And it felt like that was quite a good way to go, is what happens if the one person that you have to trust is, is the one person you can't trust. Uh, because again, the, the Russians don't see themselves as, as the bad guys right. in, in whatever it is they're doing. So, so we wanted to find a sort of fun way to sort of explore uh, some of that. And, and certainly in, in episodes seven and eight, uh, nine and ten, it comes to the sort of forefront. And there's some interesting sort of developments involving Russia's relationship with us. So I, I wanted to do something that could reflect what was going on. I mean, the, the big fear at the time was that by the time this came out, the Russia thing would be old hat and everyone would be over it. Uh, it seems that's <laughs> not quite the case yet. It seems nope. to be all good. So, uh, you know, I, I think it is interesting, you know, and, and uh, it's sort of fascinating to see that they sort of perform warfare on a, on a different level that isn't always about guns and attacking people. There's mm -hmm. sort of a, a different way of doing things. So we, we definitely wanted to explore that. But we wanted uh, sympathetic Russians in Pavel and Katrina and people who we could sort of understand. Well, I think we got that. I mean, we, we like both of them. And I want to, like, be able to talk about all of it. And I'm like, no spoilers! No spoilers! It's amazing! Um, <laughs> if you're listening, 
make sure you're watching the season because you're going to love it. When you're creating that arc, though, when you have that idea, are, are you, like, do you have seasons ahead in, in your mind of, like, or is it, like, more, we'll take each season and then if we get renewed, we'll do, you know, pull these things from it? Uh, it it's sort of trying to treat each one a bit like it's the last. So in, in terms of, I mean, I mean, last season we sort of discovered that they were sort of quite keen on doing another season, so we could sort of plan ahead. And certainly there's sort of two Russians who show up in episode 10 last season who, uh, unfortunately, there's, there's a cut scene from last season when they're with Idrisi in a vehicle where they explain the entire plot of this season <laughs> uh, as, a, as a sort of plan they have, which is then, uh, we then cut it. But, it, but they, they were sort of part of a dry run of what was going to happen in future. So we, we were sort of setting it up. I, I don't like to think too far ahead because cause that's when you get the phone call. But uh, we, we are we are hard at work on the next season now, which is going to be shocking. It's, a, it's, it's, it's you know, it's really ramping it up. Yeah. How much more can you ramp this up? <laughs> My God. Well, um, it, turns, it turns out you can go up to 11. That's what I've been told. You, you can go, go just one louder. So, uh, yeah, you all are already at 12. So <laughs> uh, in, in terms of um, you just said that you knew um, before the end of the season that you were probably going into a next season. And one of the things that is evident right from the start of the season is, first of all, the new location is refreshing. It's adding a lot to the production values overall. Yeah. Um, but there's a really noticeable bump up of the production values between last season and this season. Yeah. It's more cultural. It's, you know, it visually, there's so much more depth to it. Is that a result of HBO making a real commitment to continuing the show and maybe bumping up the budgets? Or, you know, was it just something you said, okay, let's go for it this season? Yeah, it, it's, I mean, we're actually, we're, we're making it for the same amount of money, which becomes more or less the same amount, which becomes slightly less. But I, I think this season there was definitely, with sort of the first block, I said, well, let's look at sort of Hong Kong cinema of the 80s and the 90s, Asian cinema, people like John Woo, Shu Hart, Ringo Lam. And then we moved to the second block. I spoke to the director of Pawn, and we talked about sort of, there's a thing called Emma films of the Indian cinema, which is like the 1970s, which is their version of sort of exploitation cinema, action and adventure. And I said, so, so let's sort of tip our hats to these genres and really try to get uh, the flavor of, of sort of different worlds as we go. And I mean, it's definitely something that HBO and, and Sky are both keen on is that each block should be a distinctive world and mm -hmm. should sort of show us things that we maybe don't know about these worlds. That may not be something that um, viewers really have noticed that or or know that Strike Back is basically shot in two episode blocks. Right. That yeah. each one is really sort of like a, a movie that you have a yeah. two hour, hour and a half movie for each block. And, you know, if you go back and watch the series, you realize, OK, each block sort of has its own feel, it has its own baddies with yeah. the overall theme running through. And I think that's another thing that really sets the series apart is is that approach to production. Yeah, and, and it's, it's quite scary when you first work in the show because I, the first episode I did was the North Korea and I sort oh, of wrote, yeah. wrote the outline for one and then they said, well, you got to do another one now. And I was like, what, i got to do two? And no one, everyone just assumed you knew what a block meant like I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. And no one said to me, you have to do two episodes. And I was like, oh my God, I wouldn't have taken this job if you had to do two. <laughs> Uh, and, and then, of course, they, they had a pr production hiatus because of an injury right. for sort of six months. And I ended up going back and rewriting bits of one, two, three and four on that, which is the best education in Strike Back. I was just sitting in an office in Budapest uh, being told to come up with new ways to kill people. Uh, <laughs> sort of, uh, and it was really good fun. 
So, uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 certainly we, we do them. Yeah, we do two episodes at once, and they're meant to sort of be standalone, sort of I suppose like you say, uh, movies. Yeah, well, they're beautiful, and episode four is gorgeous. Oh yes. yeah, it, it's lovely. Yeah. Wow. And, and it's it's the place we filmed that was beautiful, and Paul did a great job directing it, and and the costumes and design and everything just came together really nice. I, I think that's definitely the my favorite episode that I've worked on in, in the modern era. The fact that it's your favorite definitely translates to on screen because it's probably the first one that Kelsey and I talked about together was wow episode four. It just really explodes on every level. Yeah. We want to get a little dirt from you on uh, on everybody's favorite actors. So we want to know who is the biggest prankster on set. Who's the biggest prankster on set? It's I think it's it's I mean it's probably between obviously it's between Dan or Warren. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure which one. There was, I think it was Dan who found a giant snake, and I'm not entirely sure he found it or had it brought in, especially. <laughs> uh, I believe they, he they made all, the most of that on social media, yes. yes. Yeah. But, you know, they, they also uh, ordered an ice cream truck one day, which was very welcome. An ice cream uh, cream truck showed up, and we didn't blow it up, which was... Uh, <laughs> Yet. So, yeah, yeah, definitely I think those two are the ones that you have to... Well, I mean, you have to keep an eye on them all, but uh, certainly those two are... Those two. <laughs> okay. And who is the worst about breaking and laughing in a scene? Because you, there's so many funny quips and, and yeah. jokes that who who, uh, who breaks the most? Well, Aileen, who plays Novin, she has probably the foulest mouth I've ever heard. <laughs> if, if she doesn't get a line right, uh, there was one where where there was a, a small child on set who was listening in, and it was, it was just quite a normal scene where she has to deliver a line of dialogue, and she couldn't get it. First time, second time, then third time, she she said things which I don't think sailors would even say. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> hey, let's remove the headphones from the kid. Uh, <laughs> uh, so certainly, uh, yeah, she, she, she's a lot of fun when it comes to uh, doing that. That's funny. As uh, you, you started on the show as a writer um, and fairly quickly moved into an executive producer role. And we're seeing that more and more in television, that the writers are also running the show, which is seems to be fairly new. Can you talk about the different pressures that you face because, um, trying to fulfill both different roles? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's certainly busy, but I mean, it's it's always a collaborative effort. So it's not like there's just sort of one person sitting in a room sending down orders. It's just about trying to keep an overview of everything that's going on because we have so little time to do everything. And we are quite a complicated show. Uh, it's just trying to make sure that everything's sort of pushing in, in the same direction. Uh, of course, last year we, we had MJ, who's moved on, and, and last year MJ was sort of instrumental in doing a lot of that. Uh, and this year, it was just a case of just trying to be on top of it all, which it, it's long hours, but then you see what we, you end up with, and it's sort of mm -hmm. it's worthwhile. Yeah, it's different, definitely um, being overseas and, and having different rules surrounding the production. It's definitely a different style of shooting yeah. in longer yeah. days. And can you talk a little bit about what a typical day on set is like? Well, I'll talk about one last year when two guys came back, Scott and Stonebridge, who oh. I don't know if you remember from the previous <laughs> We've heard about people, that. Okay, so, you know, they, they're worth watching. Uh, so, so they came in. You might notice uh, in one of the scenes that Scott comes into the bar late mm -hmm. and Stonebridge sends him away, which was never meant to happen. But right. unfortunately, due, due to a plane being stuck on tarmac for sort of 12 hours stateside or, or whatever, that we, we lost a shooting day. And so they had to do all their stuff in sort of a day and a half. Uh, and so sometimes you just have to roll with the punches. And in that case, we had a number of different scenarios for the worst case uh, scenario that would happen. We had a number of different scripts for that scene, uh, just in case one of the actors wasn't uh, going to be able to make it over. 
and so you you do and it's the days are long and they're tough particularly uh, i mean nobody particularly enjoys crib days as, as they're the least fun but they are the easiest because you're in one location uh the ones where you're sort of in a jungle are always tough <laughs> sort of equipment there uh, the ones with stunts are very exciting but but there's always sort of they, they take a long time uh, and i think one of the unique things about the show is that we, we do stunts that in a day that would sort of a movie would do in sort of three or four weeks and uh, so it's it's always the pressure is on but we've got a really great team we've got paul shapcock's a great stunt coordinator uh, and, and and the stunt doubles are, are absolutely amazing i can't remember what the original question was but it's all good <laughs> <laughs> I think it was typical day on set, but then we started talking yeah. about Scott and Stonebridge. So, you know. Typical day on set, show up, hope everything goes okay. Uh, hope you're not in a situation where a producer comes over and tells you that they've accidentally sent an actor home. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> having to quickly uh, think, well, do we fly them halfway across the world or do we rewrite the scene? Oh, well, let's rewrite the scene. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's always, there's always something happening, but generally it's always something good. I'm just like picturing this chase to the airport. Sorry. <laughs> like, wait, wait, don't go home yet. <laughs> I noticed you brought back um, some of the sort of OG original gangster um, directors from previous season, like Paul yeah, Wilmshurst. Yes. And how has that changed the vibe on set? It's just, it, it's always good to have new directors and it's good to have people who have done the show before and sort of who are maybe who haven't done the, the new version of the show. So it's sort of fun. I mean, I mean, Paul came back and Paul's, you know, I, I really love his directing, so it was great to get him back. And hopefully, he's coming back again. And uh, we had Steve Show, who's uh, who was new, but he was directed pretty much every uh, great American TV show from sort of mm-hmm. Sopranos to Dead. And I mean, it's just his CV is ridiculous. And uh, we have Bill Eagles, who who was mm-hmm. so crazy. He came back for to do another two episodes. Which I was very excited about when I saw that he was directing the uh, opening block. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome because he's definitely uh, directed some of my most favorite episodes of Strike Back in the past. So I was pretty excited about the first block when I saw that. And he definitely lived up to it. He did. And and it's good because they, they know sort of how to work under the sort of pressure because it's it's unique. It's not really like any show that you've been on. I mean, I've been on a lot of sets before, before I started writing for Strike Back. But I think my first experience was in a warehouse in Thailand where Michelle Yeoh was there and they were blowing up the embassy. And, and the director was just shouting at them, going, left, left, backwards, left, go! And then it was like, and I, I came from a background where, where directors were quite, come here, love, let me explain to you what your character's going to be. And, and here they were just screaming at the actors about where to go. And, but then you realize, of course, because this thing's about to explode, they've got to make sure. Uh, but it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Uh, so it's certainly, it's, it's a show because we do so much dangerous action that you need people with a sort of firm grip on, on what's going on. I love the the image there, the, like the director screaming. So I have to tell you really quick that uh, for anybody not following Jack on Instagram, he has the cutest dogs you've ever seen. But we we crack up all the time because we're like, here you are, writer, showrunner, producer of like the most hardcore, violent, sex-driven show like on TV, and then you have the most tiny little adorable dogs <laughs> ever, and it's yeah. just so cute. Well, I, I, I think if there's one thing Strike Back is showing with Novin, that just because they're small, that doesn't mean they're not vicious. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the little ones you have to watch out for. Right, and that definitely becomes very obvious this season. You uh, you talked about uh, a major runner that you filmed. Oh yeah, yeah. A, a continuous uh, shot. A, a one shot. 
Can you just talk a little bit about that? Because you were seeing that more on television, um, especially in what are supposed to be action shows like a Chicago yeah. PD or whatever. We had that cool episode five fight last year with Novin, right? Yeah, we, yeah. We, we did a one. Yeah, and last year we, we did the corridor. I'd written the corridor scene, and MJ said, Oh, it's meant to be a one shot scene. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. I hadn't, you know, yeah, let's do that. Uh, and they actually, they filmed it so that it wouldn't be. They did a lot of coverage, but, but they had filmed a couple of runs of it, and it worked well. And, and it's sort of, it gives an energy to it, and especially when they're sort of needing to reload and guns are jamming. But it just sort of gives a, a sort of a very uh, strong sense of, of, authenticity mm -hmm. I suppose and so this season I wanted to do one with the entire team going across a shanty town and we managed to find a location that was perfect for it and uh, we sort of I remember showing Bill the first draft and he was like that's literally impossible to do <laughs> without <laughs> without uh, three weeks rehearsal I was like okay okay we'll scale it down we'll, we'll find a way through it and then you have a lot of fun you sort of run through it you rehearse it and then you sort of set the cameras rolling and, and get the sort of uh, charges ready to go off and you, you hope for the best and uh, I think it's it's something that I enjoy watching. What, what was the Netflix show, the the House on Haunted Hill? No, yeah, the, Hill, yeah. the Haunting of Hill House. And yeah. there's that wonderful there's a wonderful episode in the funeral parlor where they do a lot of long takes. And it's just something that I, I think I really enjoy because there's nowhere to hide during them. Mm -hmm. I think it's something the actors enjoy because they have trained so hard and so often we can sort of cut away or cover things. And I think they like being able to show off what they can do. And then of course they want to start throwing ammunition to each other. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, okay, fingers crossed. Let's hope this works. Uh, and then when it does work, it's a, it's a wonderful moment. When it doesn't mm -hmm. work, it's okay, reset. Let's yep. go again. Okay, now we're gonna take six hours and reset all those explosions. Yeah. Thanks but, guys. Know, I'm, I mean, to be fair, they spend uh, an awesome amount of time practicing throwing ammunition at each other offset. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was good to, to get some of that on screen for real. <laughs> I was gonna say, Dan did and Aylan both posted like pictures of them like dropping the magazine and like kicking it mm -hmm. up in the air and the other one grabbing it. And we're like, what are you <laughs> Yeah. Well, it, it, it turns, turns out all these skills came in handy. <laughs> Yeah. How many and, and takes of that shot did you have to do? Uh, we actually uh, only did three big ones of it. Uh, we wow. sort of did a first one that was pretty good. Uh, and then I think I think on the third one, it sort of just felt like, yeah, that, that was the one. And I mean, there's sort of bits and pieces to it. So, so there was a number of different sort of run-throughs of it. And uh, yeah, I think the third time it just felt like that was good. But we sort of, all of them kind of worked just in different ways. And some of them, they're sort of guns jammed. And that was very exciting seeing them sort of to reacting to it in real time when they're under fire. Uh, but in the end, I think, yeah, we uh, we only had so much time. Unfortunately, we only had a day uh, a day to sort of rehearse and shoot the whole thing and sort of a, a day's prep. So it's uh, normally, you know, you'd have sort of a week at least. Again, it's just about everyone pulling together and, and hoping for the best. This show constantly amazes me. <laughs> the stuff that you get done on the budget that you have and the time that you have. Yeah. It, 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 it amazes me that there's a stunt in the middle of it eight which was uh, and it's such a hard stunt to pull off uh, and so potentially dangerous so, so we had to spend a lot of time prepping it but uh, it really was pushing it to the wire in terms of of sitting down with the stunt people who are incredibly concerned about safety i mean they'll, they'll never do anything that puts anyone in danger and saying to them what's the achievable way of doing something like this and you can sort of see the pain in their eyes of like <laughs> we could try this uh, <laughs> So, and it's always it's always uh, much appreciated because uh, I think everyone had a lot of fun this season with it. Well, we do know that Strike Back is I mean it's it's a totally different beast. I mean it it really from 
anything. I mean, when I hear about actors on other shows that are like complaining because they got like a little scratch and I'm like, you wouldn't last a day, you know, from anything we've heard. And Deb actually reached out to Philip Winchester who suggested a question, sort of like a standard question to ask everybody because it is such a crazy marathon. The like two highs and two lows of the, of the season. I guess a high of the season was there's a fight in episode six with Novin. Uh, and it was sort of designed in a certain way in a certain location and just seeing that all coming together and realizing wow this is the sort of show that we do that we can sort of pull off stuff like that there's a a one shot uh, scene in episode nine which is we we wanted to do one of these just continuous action scenes across an entire shanty town and I have to say that that was a great day and, and it was really good fun uh, partway through, a, a hen ran in the way and sort of looked at the actors and, and ran for it. Uh, very nicely timed and made it to the final cut. Uh, but but certainly, I think that was definitely a high because uh, the actors were sort of bringing uh, everything they'd learnt in terms of tactics and everything into a situation where we couldn't just cut and go again. We had to do it all the way through. Uh, so that was definitely a high. As for lows, we lost a very important location at the last minute and an entire episode had been designed around it. And I remember sort of getting a panic phone call saying uh, it's a very specific location which shows up in episode eight. Uh, there's no way we can replace this. And it was sort of a week before. But luckily, the Malaysian film people pulled it all together and got us the location back because that, that was a real sort of, uh, OK, I'm just going to lie on the floor and uh, hope, hope that somebody solves this problem. Uh, but in terms of lows, I, can't, I don't really think there were any, any lows. I felt very sad when the season finished actually at the end normally sort of you're relieved and you're you're running for the running for the first plate out of there but uh, this one I, I really enjoyed it and I think that's a testament to to the actors and, and the fantastic crew we have which is uh, I, I, I don't know a crew that works harder to sort of pull off the stuff we pull off well it definitely translates unseen I mean there's there's really no equal to this show out there and I don't think it would be possible without that combination of passion and talent and just the right group of people that are so focused on getting it done and getting it right. Uh, and I would say overall the biggest high probably been when I accidentally misspelled members when I was writing uh, episode six last <laughs> season and then I looked and I thought actually members only is quite funny. Have I just <laughs> And uh, the fact that and it uh, lives, so, yeah, it lives. Uh, and I will say what attracted me about Strike Back uh, in the final Scott and Stonebridge episode, there's a scene where Stonebridge meets a wolf in a forest. Yeah, uh, and I remember sitting there, and I was writing it, I remember laughing and sending it over to the producer, and I was just shaking my head, going, I know he's like, No, we're gonna have the wolf. Uh, and they really went out of their way to protect the wolf, and just the idea that, that one sort of uh warrior meets another warrior in, in the woods it's sort of ridiculous but because it's phil winchester and he can play it so well you sort of you know an mj directs it beautifully that you buy into it and any show that gives you a wolf it was actually a half wolf it was like an alsatian half wolf. But <laughs> any show that sort of goes out to sort of protect those moments is uh, certainly worth sticking around for well the fans love you for it and we thank you well we couldn't do it without them watching <laughs> you hear that meebers they love us <laughs> yes you know, and and so and, and I, I watch the show as a fan as well. And certainly, when people have sort of frustrations and criticisms, you know, we, we do listen and we we feel it as well. So we're not sort of sitting back and and saying we've got everything perfect. But uh, I think there's a couple of times this season. I, I'm you know I'm really proud of what what we did. More than a couple. More than a couple. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. It's, it's, it's a very Scottish of. thing to just sort of run yourself down. I mean, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs>
there's two episodes that you'll enjoy. The other eight, you know, they're okay. No, but they're all really good. At least what we've seen is all really good. So we're very yeah. excited, and we wish we saw more. Come on, HBO, get the screeners up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to say the ending of Ep 8 might be my favorite uh, uh, scene in, in the current season. It's just mm. like, it's, it's a bit of a jaw dropper. Yeah, I remember thinking, can we actually pull this off? And then, uh, you know, we did. So, uh, yeah, wait and see. All right. Well, so you heard it here, Meebers. Make sure you're watching. We're excited. Thank you, Jack, so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me on, and uh, I hope you have a good day. Thanks for listening, Meebers. Make sure you go give Jack some love on Twitter, at Jack underscore Lothian. Thank him for bringing us this incredible show and being our very first guest. Season 7 of Strike Back starts January 25th on Cinemax. Our episode 1, Sit Rep, will be available the following Saturday morning, featuring an interview with Sergeant Wyatt himself, Dan McPherson. We'll see you then.